Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 51. And tonight we're actually going to be diving into the topic of spirituality. And tonight our guest host is Blake from Kingston, New York. Hi, Blake. How you doing? I'm really, really great, Jason. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So just for our listeners, you know, Blake and I met each other back when I was out actively using. And it was a little shocking but very welcomed to see him in a meeting. And we reconnected and have become friends in sobriety. And Blake, I just want to say thank you so much for all the love and support that you have given me. Today is my two-year anniversary. I'm applauding you from afar. Um, And I will say that I think it's apropos that we are doing this particular episode about spirituality because the second that I walked into that Zoom room and saw your face, that was a God moment. Let's be real. I have to agree with you. Right? That's HP in action big time. And we're going to stay elusive here, but like that was a very big HP moment for me because first of all, wow. But second of all, it gave me the opportunity to make an amends to you that I needed to make to you. And it was great for me. Absolutely. And and in turn, I got to make my amends to you, which was actually on my mind. Um, But for you to actually show up into that meeting was, like you said, a God moment, an HP or higher power moment. So it was really meant to be, I think. And I'm so happy to have you on the episode tonight. Thank you. I'm really grateful. So Blake, why don't you take a little bit to tell our listeners a little bit about you and your story? So Colorado, born and raised uh, in the mountains in a place that was like unbelievably like too picturesque. And it was just like a really good place to connect with God in a way that I didn't know that I was doing at the time. I moved to the East Coast when I was 18. Right before that is when I started chugging the booze, um, as we say. Uh, And the addiction just really sped up and grew and uh, nearly popped uh, by the time I was 25. I had moved to Europe and then to Southeast Asia and then down uh, to Mexico for a while and I was bopping all around and like running from a lot of my problems aka the fact that I hadn't admitted step one that I was an alcoholic and when I finally did I did it without God and that was rough because you literally can't do this without God because that's what we call self-seeking and it's just not sustainable for a number of reasons I guess this is all to say I am a performance artist and a musician who is also a raging alcoholic and always will be and always have been. And I am in a current state, if we're gonna be like very current about my bio, where I'm working on work that is uh, incredibly fulfilling to me creatively. And it's because it's connected to my higher power who has led me to step into that light that I was always meant to step into rather than thinking that I needed to do it for myself. And that's because I got sober. So I think that's a good, 90 second to two minute summary. So you use the God word. And I know for myself, when I was coming back into the rooms this time, I was thinking about that word, God, 
And what it kept kicking up for me was my background growing up in the Catholic Church. And over the years, I felt myself and was actively disconnecting from the Catholic Church. I believe in the tenets of be kind to others and love and service and all of those real core foundational elements, but I didn't believe in the rest of the Catholic Church, you know, and I can go on for a whole spiel about that, but I really want to keep it high level. So how did you come to that definition of God? Because I know for myself, now I use the word God, but that's just easy for me. But my God is energy. My higher power is energy. So talk to me a little bit about how you define that word God. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for going into um, a little bit of that. I'm curious to hear a lot more about what you just said that you were saying wasn't high level, because I think it probably would be very high level if we got into that, but maybe at a later time. Uh, because your question is a really good question. And I think that I can sum it up um, into just like two simple categories for myself. The preface being I too grew up in a Roman Catholic religion, aka uh, a very, very uh, distant cousin called evangelical Christianism. And I went to a church that instructed me from a very young age that who I was, was uncool. You know, I'm sure every queer person who might be listening to this, I'm not saying everyone who listens to this is queer, but if you're a queer person who is also an alcoholic or an addict or whatever, might identify with this idea that God became very odious to me as a concept, because here I was just trying to be myself and this giant institution was telling me, no, no, you're a bad person who's going to hell because you feel that way. And so I lived with a lot of resentment towards God. I think I still do sometimes because you can't just knock trauma like that, especially if you're an alcoholic. Like we thrive off of allowing our bodies to experience trauma. That's why we drink. And at least for me, that's why I drink. One of the many reasons. But this is all to say that I got to God because I'm a very rebellious person. And it's one of the things that is both good and bad about me. I've had to learn how to channel that energy as uh, someone who's in recovery, um, but an act of rebellion can be a very good thing. And it dawned on me that if I could actually take this concept that they had just really dirtied um, as far as the idea of God goes, and if I could retranslate it for myself as someone who had actually found sobriety and groundedness, well, maybe it would be actually a really cool thing to be able to reclaim that word, the exact same way that I've uh, reclaimed the word faggot. And, uh, you know, I know that is tough for some people to hear, but you have to understand as an eight-year-old, you know, hearing the word God constantly in a way that made me hate it and constantly being called a faggot. Yeah, I wanted to take a little bit of reclamation from those words. And I would never have been able to do that if I hadn't gotten sober because I resented them. I don't resent the word faggot. It represents a community of people who I love. And I definitely don't resent the word God because it is why I'm sober, because it's not all about me, you know? Um, and it's nice to have someone to look up to, something to look up to. And frankly, it's just way easier once you kind of get the hang of it, you know? 
Do you find sometimes it's like, oh, wow, it's way easier to just like let it go to God? Well, first of all, sorry, I had to go through that. But you mentioned this odious repulsion to the Catholic Church, and I could definitely connect with that. And I think that was because I didn't resent God or the church, but I really resented myself and the person that I became. And Jason, you mentioned like the tenets of Christianity, and I completely agree with that. But at the time, I hated all that. And I really just hated myself. And as the last couple of years, like getting sober and reconnecting with faith in God, you learn that, you know, whatever you really associate as spirituality, religion, it really is the core essence of being sober. And I love that Blake said, you know, self-seeking that it's like being that dry drunk, right? And just doing it because other people want you to really, you're just dying inside and you're miserable. And I just love that you said not having spirituality in recovery is just being a dry drunk, essentially. I think it's a huge point, Chris, as I've been reflecting back over the last two years, you know, on my anniversary date today, I was thinking about what kept me sober. And for as much as I have gotten away from my religion that I grew up with, the one thing that's stayed constant in my life is that sense of spirituality. And I think it's because I defined my higher power as something that I could understand and agree with and make my own which is energy versus what I saw in other people going to church. And I built up a huge resentment against people when I would go to church with them. I would look around and say, you know, why are you here? Because I know that you cheat on your wife or I know that you beat your kid or, you know, how can you come to church and act all pious and then go home and do those things? Or I would sit in mass and hear the priest talk about the sanctity of life and these unborn babies and in the same breath condemn the immigration problem that the area was seeing. I mean, the hypocrisy was so strong for me that I just rebelled against it. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to come back into the program because I thought Alcoholics Anonymous was a religious program. Thankfully, it's not, and it's proved itself not to be. And I get to define what my higher power is because this is my program and I get to have that bit of control. And I think that's the biggest point is that if I have nothing that's filling that hole inside me that used to be filled with drugs and alcohol, then I'm still searching for that purpose. But with the guidance of my higher power, the fact that it's energy for me is that it connects everything. It connects people, it connects places and things and nature and everything around me. So I have been propped up over the last two years, not by me just not taking a drink or doing a drug. It's been by everything around me and everything around me has been my higher power. And that's what's kept me two years sober. I'm just sitting here thinking about that thing that you said about what keeps us sober. And it is sort of magical because it is, you know, as you say, per person. And I like that everybody has a different experience that they can call on and speak from. And I think that's why AA speaks to me so much 
is because it's a program that celebrates autonomy. And that's really hard pressed to find these days. We're living in a world where the powers that be are really interested in putting people into groups, doing it not to create community, but doing it to self-serve. And with AA, at least in my experience, I feel like my autonomy is celebrated. And so the choice that I get to make about what HP looks like for me, what is God? Is that the word that I use when I'm referring to this bigger thing that's not just me? I like that choice. And it, again, it's an easy choice. And Chris, I'm glad to hear that, you know, it's just one more person who shares that version of events. It's not the same, our experiences and Jason's and, but anyway, this, this is all to say that Jason, I love that you said that um, you got to have some choice in the matter because that was informed by God. You just made the choice to listen, it sounds like. I have really thought about the autonomy of AA or NA, and it's amazing that it is autonomous and that you can walk in and there is so many walks of life and really everyone's there for the same reason and leaves generally, I mean, obviously there's always drama, you know, wherever you go, but in general, everyone's there for one purpose and to support each other. It's hard pressed to leave a meeting to help others, to really help others in a non-self-serving way and not feel a connection to a higher power. And we did touch on this in a previous episode, Jason, about higher power and leaving, but we really didn't dive into it. Recently, I've been to a couple meetings and every single speaker has been talking about like this series of events about falling into drugs or alcohol and losing faith. And actually what kept them sober was a connection with higher power. And the higher power range from nature to swimming to reading, you know, meditating. It's all these things that really just keep you sober and connected in something other than yourself. Yeah, it goes back to that concept of constant contact with your higher power. I have to have, for my recovery program, I have to have that constant contact with the thing that I call God. Otherwise, I will go and become that dry drunk, that addict who's just miserable all day, who is always finding the things that are wrong. And I'm not living in gratitude. I'm not living in happiness. I'm not living in love. I'm not living in all of these things that I define my life as now. All because I am not in that constant contact with my higher power. And it shows up in such small little ways that sometimes I miss it, but then I'm always reminded of it. I'm hearing so many things. And one of the things that just popped out for me when you were talking about that, Jason, is this concept of don't quit before the miracle begins. And recently I started thinking about that phrase because I, I was like, that feels so secluded. Like that's such an isolationist way to, to put it, like the miracle. And I always just sort of was like, what a beautiful sentence. And then recently I was like, what, is, what do they mean the miracle? And it dawned on me that the miracle is an ever evolving thing that happens every single day that I show up to program, don't drink and help a fellow. There are little miracles built into that sentiment. And 
for me, it just is all the more reason to let the magic of that um, concept of higher power be real and be something that actually does <laughs> drive me physically. It's like the vastness of the universe. It's tough to explain. I think that's beautiful. And I don't need to have every answer because I'm not special. And that makes me feel connected to something really stupendous. And I think that is where your sense of imagination comes into play. So talk to me a little bit about how you use your imagination to create this spiritual space. Yeah, well, you said that we all get a choice in what HP, what God, what, you know, G-O-D looks like. And I think in that, a lot of it is just sitting and listening and waiting to see what sticks. For me, I wasn't even doing it consciously. Um, I felt and have always felt drawn to the act of playing pretend. Now, as we were discussing, you can have things about yourself that can be good or bad. The act of playing pretend for me um, is tricky because on the one hand, it's a beautiful space called imagination that allows me to be creative and invent a world that I want to see, that I feel safe in and comfortable in and, and joyful in. But on the other hand, that's all I was doing as an alcoholic is just making up a narrative that wasn't true about so many things. So I think I kind of had to tame myself a little bit and really like dig my heels into the dirt before I could come to this notion that actually my imagination um, is a very large portion of my higher power. And I know that because I've always felt drawn to making shit. It can be writing, it can be music, it can be painting, photography, dance. I am driven by the idea of creating. You know that Spencer's gifts like glass ball where you'd put your hand on it and the like shock waves would come up to your hand. It was like purple. It's kind of like that. When I finally put my hand on the glass, there was God. And it was like, oh, this whole time I've been trying to be an actor or be a musician or be a writer or be a director or a journalist because I thought I wanted it. When in reality, the beauty was that God had given me an opportunity to live life in a very beautiful way. And it's in service of God and therefore my community and therefore ultimately myself. Chris, you talked about, you know, being a dry drunk. I was a dry drunk for a really long time. Um, Jason, when we met, I was an absolute dry drunk and just a disaster, probably in some ways more so than when I was drinking. And it was because there was no higher power there. And then the pandemic happened and I got knocked on my ass and realized, oh shit, I've been living for myself and without God. In fact, I've been denying God. Um, and turns out <laughs> for me, that's not sustainable. And it's not sustainable because I wasn't living life, creating art in service of others and God and therefore myself, but only for myself. Recently, I have really gone down a rabbit hole of connecting with this. And for the past two and a half years, I have been going out across the country, exploring abandoned spaces, which is something that I did when I was a kid. 
there was an abandoned dairy farm down the hill from my house. And I spent a lot of time there uh, talking to ghosts. The inside of the house portion of it, it looked like it had been raptured. Clothes in the closets, blankets on the beds, dishes in the cabinets. That was my playground as a kid. That is where I went to go play pretend in that. And in the mountains of Colorado, no less. So like right there, like how dare I not have gratitude for that? You know, I made it all about me. But anyway, I reconnected with that because I had this dream about two months into the pandemic and I woke up and I was like, oh, are there abandoned spaces near me? And oh my God, they're everywhere. There's tens of thousands of abandoned buildings in the country and I get to go to them and I get to play pretend in them as a 34 year old, almost 35 year old man. And I get to write about it and I have, a really cool immersive audio project I've been working on that you can listen to in a podcast form. And I've been working on a documentary series about it. These are all things I've always wanted to do with my life. Always. I've always wanted to be a writer and taken seriously. I've always wanted publishers approaching me, asking me, are you interested in making a collection of 10 of your stories from the blog about your time in these abandoned spaces? Yes, please. That would never have happened if I hadn't said, thank you, God. Yes, God. This has nothing to do with me, God. And you know, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gotten sober. The magic in it for me really is looking back and seeing the touch points, like the night that we met. That's a touch point for me. Because then a few years later, I walk into a room and unbeknownst to me, there you are, standing there proverbially because it was Zoom. And one of the things that I had been missing was that particular apology, that particular amends, because I had harmed someone and that's not what we do. You know, we make right by it. So I'm just trying to keep it personal in this space and our relationship because that wouldn't have happened had I not leaned into my imagination. Because right when that happened, I was like in the throes of the beginning of the project. And I didn't know what was happening, but I kept showing up. I was in AA in tandem with doing the artist's way, which is like a 12 step program for creative recovery written by someone in AA. And there you were, and there was God. So that was a lot, but it deserves a comprehensive answer because we all have a comprehensive answer to the question. And it's so nuanced and complicated. And I think it's beautiful. So thank you for holding space for me this evening. I really like that you said the imagination can be good or bad, you know, touching back to stopping before the miracle. I think it's great that it is evolving. It is fluid. It is always changing because it would really suck if like you just got sober and that was it. You know, you stop learning, right? You stop growing. And what you're talking about is your evolution in getting to know yourself, getting to know your higher power, uh, becoming a better version of you evolving into what you were meant to do um, creatively, professionally, uh, morally. And, you know, you touched on imagination. In sobriety, it's almost like this like precognition where what you think eventually, if you keep doing the right thing, if you have faith, will become your reality. So in my sense, my imagination, if I think about how I want my life to live, it will be that. However, on the contrary, if I'm using, if I'm not spiritually fit, it'll do the opposite and I'll dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. 
I completely agree with how your imagination can work for the benefit or it could really hurt you. Because when you're using, if you're thinking about all these things that you want to do, want to be, you know it's not going to happen. Or at least I know it's not going to happen. In fact, it'll probably get worse. But right now, the things that I am trying to do, am trying to grow into, are slowly happening. And just as long as I'm patient, have faith, and do the next right thing, they're starting to become a reality. Something that I'm getting reminded of right now is how addiction kills connection addiction kills creativity and in this conversation addiction kills imagination and just today i was imagining what my life was like back then and it's completely different today i never ever could have imagined how wonderful my life is today two years ago and one day ago right? Because I was still in the throes of my addiction. I hadn't gotten sober yet. I didn't walk into those doors of, of rehab. And I just could not imagine being here. In fact, I couldn't even imagine six months down the road. I was so immersed in my addiction that I wasn't even seeing my life worth living in the next six months. And it was on my six month anniversary where I was like, wow, I thought I was going to be dead by now. I was telling people that I had a terminal disease and that I would be dead in six months because that's how hard I was drinking and drugging myself. That when they found my body and people learned that I was dead, that they would say, oh, it was that disease. It wasn't alcohol. It wasn't drugs. It was that disease that he had. And now I can't imagine a life that's not based in sobriety. This journey has given me everything that I have, absolutely everything. I have just secured two spots at, at national conferences, one in August and one in September. Never, ever, ever would have imagined that because I couldn't. The only thing I was looking forward to was the next bag and the next bottle. One of our former guest hosts on the podcast here, Quint S., he texted me and he snapshotted that picture of me on the panel that I put up on LinkedIn and he said the promises and that was right before we started taping and it couldn't be more true everything in my life is because I'm sober today and I never could have imagined that it was possible uh Jason I just want to take a moment to honor the courage that you just procured to share what you shared about that six months thing and the terminal illness. I never stop being amazed at the things that people go through before they get sober. It's a lot of trauma that you're talking about and you incurred it substantially after already having gone through a lot before that. Not to harp back on the don't quit before the miracle thing, but it is a miracle that you're here. It's a gosh damn miracle. And I'm so grateful for that miracle because I too have benefited significantly from watching the way that you're living your practice and that you are learning and evolving very publicly, very publicly, very honestly. The rigorous honesty is something that I so admire in you and you're so straightforward and to the point and succinct. And it's just a joy to watch. Now, 
that's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing I wanted to say was in 2017, I lost somebody who was very, very important to me to this disease. Now, that's sort of hearsay because what the coroner said was this was a death by suicide. But I know the person very, very well and have known them and knew their heart. Yeah, there's a lot of mental illness in there, but that disease, it got him. And I think about that. And then I hear someone like you take the stand and confess that this is something that happened to you. And this is something that you thought and a story that you were actively trying to tell. And again, the miracle doesn't happen for everybody is the thing, you know? And that that is a grim reality that I think I often overlook in program because I'm so focused on the promises because they're beautiful. But I also have to keep that sort of in mind that somebody like Nick, who is the person I lost, well, the promises actually didn't happen for him. And it says it in the literature, there are such unfortunates. That can be very Debbie Downer and it is, and we have to be solemn about it. But then what's cool for me is again, God gives that even something as horrific as a suicide. He gives us the ability to see the light in it. For me, for example, now that he's gone and I I lost him to this thing that also could have killed me. Well, now I feel called to honor and cherish this person who's no longer here because that's my job. He was part of our community. And so it's another reason to live soberly. And again, that's because God put that manner of thinking in front of me and said, you can live in sadness about this for the rest of your life, or you can not be precious about it, acknowledge the grief, acknowledge the trauma. And when you're ready, flip it over and there's going to be light on the other side. And it's going to be a really good thing. And I just was listening to you talk about you know, the six months thing. And I was like, I'm so grateful that that is not the case with my friend, Jason. It's just a really beautiful thing because I've, I've been so looking forward to this evening and it dawned on me as the conversation started, I was like, oh, that's why I'm so friggin' excited about tonight because I get to lay God out in front of me with a very cool person who I know. And then two people I don't know, but I do kind of know because drunks, you know? Um, Anyway, that's kind of where my brain was going. I love it. And, you know, I'm sorry that that you went through that with the loss of your friend. And what just popped up in my head was that's why I'm so grateful that my higher power is energy because I have lost people in my life. I have lost people when I was actively using. I have lost people in recovery and energy is neither created nor destroyed and because they are part of energy they're always with me and they have now been assimilated into my higher power and yes talking about what we have been tonight about death and loss and you know the the pains of of active addiction at the same time we get to laugh and we get to enjoy life and the 
frivolity of spirituality and higher power could be so joyful. I know a woman who is in the rooms of Philadelphia and she calls her higher power Bob. And she talks to Bob as though he's some guy sitting on the couch with her. And the best part about this is like, it doesn't have to be a so serious topic that it repels you. And that's what I like about it too. I got back into prayer and I got back into meditation in recovery. But one, I didn't meditate when I was actively using, but my prayers today look nothing like the prayers of my past, right? I chat with my higher power and I joke with my higher power and I curse with my higher power. And like, I get to do whatever I want in that moment because prayer is just a bunch of words strung together. It's a conversation. It's a conversation with the thing that I call God. And that's what I love most about it is that I don't have anything to memorize or recite or anything like that. And it feels real to me. I get to have a real conversation with my higher power. And I don't know if y'all agree with this, but isn't it unbelievable that there are 7.7 billion other versions of what you just said on this planet? Like they may not all know, but there are 7.7 billion versions of what you just said. That is astonishing to me because that's a lot of God. And there's a lot of power in that God because um, it's a lot of God, you know, like you're so passionate about the way that you describe it and it's because it, it that means something to you. And I mean, Chris, I'm curious to know about your higher power because the way that you described your going through church as a person, I would imagine that it differs from Jason's higher power or my higher power. And I'm very curious about yours. Yeah, so recently we actually, and I'll get to the answer, we moved about two months ago and I really do love the community of a church. I've been going to a Catholic church, a Protestant church, well, different types of Protestant churches. That I would say is not my version of God. However, I do like the community. I do like the people. And my experience, I think is a little different than Jason's, you know, earlier you mentioned this person's doing this, this person's doing this. That is a, from what I've seen, a smaller sector. And I have seen, you know, that in churches and I have kids and I want them to grow up in a community. However, my version, I would say is more in line with nature. So I feel most connected when I'm outside in nature most of the time, just being quiet, hiking, that's when I'm able to connect to myself and my spirituality the most. So from a simplistic stance, nature is my higher power. I want to touch on how you guys keep it fresh. Jason, when you sent the notes to this podcast, one of the things is how we keep spirituality fresh. And I didn't have the best answer. You know, the only thing I can think about is hey, I do meditation, I work out, I read, I pray. But I feel like those are standard answers. And we're talking about the fluidity of spirituality and growth. And I'm really curious how I can connect in different ways. I call myself a uh, astrology curious person. I struggle 
with a lot of it, the way that I struggle with a lot of different kinds of spiritual practices and organized religions. Honestly, even some science, I'm kind of like, yeah, is that true? I'm lucky in that one of my closest fellows, um, who is also one of my best friends, and my surrogate older sister, who takes very good care of me and is just there for me as a fellow, as a friend, and as family. And honestly, as an artistic confidant, which is like its own thing. But I'm lucky that I have her uh, in my life because she is a student of astrology. And she was very skeptical for years. And then something shifted for her and her higher power shifted into this new thing because that's who she is. She's constantly shifting and it works for her. It really works for her. She's been sober like 15 years at this point. She read me my chart towards the beginning of the pandemic. One of the things about astrology that I immediately connected with after she read my chart was, oh, that was just storytelling. What she just did was she told a story about why I am the way that I am. That's really cool. It might be a crock of shit, but it sounds good. So let's explore that a little bit. I have a lot of Sagittarius energy in my chart. Now, there's a lot underneath that that I'm not going to get into because frankly, I don't even know half of it. But the piece of it that I identify with the most that has um, kept it fresh for me, because this is all very new, is as a Sagittarius moon and rising, I am drawn to exploration. I am drawn out into the world. I feel pulled to see as much of the planet as possible. Now, here's the thing that's cool. The planet's pretty damn big. And it is impossible for a mere mortal who doesn't have Elon Musk pocketbooks to see all of the world as much as possible, as much as humanly possible. It is physically impossible for us to see everything on this planet. It's just never going to happen. So that has become a very fresh version of keeping connected with my higher power. You know, before I just was drawn to go out and explore these abandoned buildings. And I, I drove a car across the country from New York to Colorado in search of these places. I drove a car from Portland, Oregon to San Francisco and then to Los Angeles in search of these places. I have gone up mountains, down into valleys, up to river streams, by abandoned lakes to find these places. And yes, it's because of what's inside, but also I realized that, oh, it's also about the getting there. Oh, that feels very symbolic of my sobriety. Like I'm always going to be on some sort of journey and that's totally okay because that's what this fresh version of God has called me to do. And I love that because now I have a, a new layer of understanding about just how powerful my higher powers love for me is and therefore my love for myself and my community and vice versa i don't know much about zodiac or you know the sagittarius and the rising i know i'm a gemini and people either love me or hate me so i don't really know how to respond to all of that um but you know as it relates to keeping it fresh because my higher power is energy, I honor energy. So that's in the using of energy and the conserving of energy. 
So when I was actively in my addiction, I would just be this like gross slob on the couch and not do anything. And now I'm an active participant in my own life. I go to the gym. I see family and friends. I took a rest day today. I have been working out for the past 10 days and today was my rest day and I didn't do anything. So I used my energy to relax. And because energy connects everything, I pick up, you know, litter in the park. I turn off lights. I shut off water. I honor this thing that I identify as my higher power. And that's how I keep everything fresh. Not only that, but since I got sober, I think there's only been like a handful of times where I haven't done this, but I will pray every night. And my prayer is, God, thank you for keeping me sober today. Please keep me sober tomorrow. I talk to him a little bit about the people that I want to pray for. I very rarely pray for anything for myself other than to keep me sober. And I end with the Our Father and the Serenity Prayer, and then I go to bed. It takes me a couple minutes, but it keeps me connected to my higher power. And I've done that every single night, except for maybe a handful of times where I've just passed out from exhaustion. And that is just a daily reminder or a nightly reminder to be grateful for being alive and being sober and being in the hands of my higher power. We're going to be wrapping up here. But before we go, Blake, one thing that we like to ask our guest hosts is what's one thing? that you would give as a piece of advice for the newcomer, for someone who's coming back, or maybe a reminder to people who've been in the program for a while and just need that little refresher. What's your one piece of advice? First of all, thank you for this extraordinary opportunity. I had a blast. This isn't my piece of advice. I was given this piece of advice today by a woman I'm staying with right now. We're part of a writer's residency. It's just the two of us up in the, in the Catskill mountains. And this person also happens to be a fellow. And she was telling me a story about one playwright was having a problem with the play that he was writing and he couldn't figure it out. And the other playwright said, oh, well, you're just not listening. And that truly is the best advice I've heard in a really long time. Remember to listen. And it takes a lot, you know, there's a lot of different things we all individually have to do to figure out what that means, but figure out how to listen, or if you already did, remember to do it again. Awesome, awesome piece of advice and something that I know I have to continually remind myself to do every single day. Well, thank you, Blake. It was really great having you on the show tonight. And it was really great seeing you. Thanks, Cutie, nice to see you too. And very nice to meet CJ and, and Christopher. And as always, each and every one of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering alcoholic and addict, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, guys. Have a great night. Bye. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. 
Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.